Hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 243. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. In this episode, we are talking about The Gray Man on Netflix, starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. But before we get started, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Please try to leave a five-star rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook, and you can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Lastly, don't forget to check out our merchandising store over there at tpublic.com for all your 3 Drinks in Podcast merchandise needs. All right. So I have a question before we get started. Uh, okay. How do you spell the word gray? In America, you use an A. In England, oh, you use an E. It's a British American thing. I because that's how I remember. Yeah, There's America a, for A and England for E. Interesting, because David Gray, the British singer songwriter, is E Y, and in America, I guess. Okay, so I couldn't figure out what the hell. So I was, I was, you know, I'm watching the movie, and I'm bored, and I'm like. <laughs> go on to IMDb to go, oh, who is that guy? I know that guy. And I would do the gray man with an E, and they go, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so it is with an, with an A. So I, I was stunned to learn that this was directed by uh, the same guys that did Avengers Endgame at the end of this. Boy, howdy. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some questions. Uh, yeah. What, so, are their last, what are their names? The Russo brothers, Anthony Russo. and Joe Russo. Who, That's right, because he had a cameo at the end. I was like, hey, I know that guy. He's a director. And I was like, oh, my God, he directed this. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what did they do before we knew who the hell they were? They did a lot of TV. They did Arrested Development. Did a few other things like that. They did a lot of comedy. So I'm looking at a restaurant, Lucky, which is supposed to be interesting. It had uh, Dustin Hoffman in it. Community, a uh, bunch of stuff I hadn't heard of. And then, so film, Colin, welcome to Colin, Yumi and Dupree. And then, it's like they make, a short, I think, called Pieces. They make Welcome to Collinwood, which I'd kind of heard of. I heard I, I You, Me, and Dupree, which was like a Jim Carrey? No. Yes. No. no. It Owen was... Wilson. I think Owen Wilson's in that. Owen Wilson, yes. And uh, Matt Dillon and Kate Hudson. Right. Um, and then... That was 2006. And then literally not, eight years later, they make Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is one of my favorite Marvel movies. I really enjoy that movie. It's not like one of the sort of like seminal ones, but it's like a fun little like, you know, you, they take Captain America and they make kind of, they kind of bend the genre a bit and go, we're, we're, you know, we'll, we'll do like a spy movie with Captain America. And it was cool. And it had... One of the greatest sequences I think ever when they attack Nick Fury in his car. Yeah. Which is just a great, like, I, I, I like it when Marvel movies can do a badass thing. When they can, you know, kind of like 
not push the envelope because it's still it has to get that PG thirteen rating, but like when you can really kind of push things and do something really unique. And I I thought that that was that was a great sequence in that that movie. But I mean, this just goes to show what kind of prep we do for these podcasts. Like we don't even know who these guys are. We just know they came out of nowhere and made these you know really important Marvel movies. I mean. Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Yeah. Well, they clearly did a good job with those. I mean, those are all really high-rated movies. People They're like e- them. They made a lot of money. They're excellent movies. They mean, like, you know, they're kind of the new Joss Whedon because nobody can talk about him anymore. But, like, you know, the, the ability to take somebody else's giant project and direct a little bit of it and and make it stable and unique and fit into a thing and manage all these different characters and arcs and it's really hard and if you want to see how hard it is just go watch the last batch of Star Wars movies it's like it's that hard this is a very difficult thing to do so why was this movie so terrible uh um <laughs> How many people should be embarrassed about this? I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was the worst thing I've ever seen. No. It certainly wasn't good. No. Glad I didn't pay money to watch it. Well. <laughs> you know, on top you, of other things. Are you still borrowing my account? Because if you're not, then you did. Hey, this was on Netflix, pal. I pay for my own Netflix. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm like, so you paid some money to watch it. Oh, I paid probably more than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you definitely paid more than you should have. Oh, yeah. I keep raising their rate and going, oh, and then we're going to lose, lose all of Star Trek. And like, oh, all right, well, fine. Right. Um, but it really wasn't all that good. So I don't know what, I don't know why. It's... <sighs> I heard two analogies. <laughs> <laughs> we're all like, just kind of like, what? What did, what, did, what did we do? Uh, you know, um, I heard two analogies that I really liked when when describing this movie. One is that this is the kind of thing that you watch while folding socks, like you just don't have to pay attention to it, but you don't lose anything in that process. You just kind of you like you know you look up, okay, and then you fold a sock and you look back up. And the other one, which is a bit more uh, more painted, was that you know you and I are, are old enough that we would go to a blockbuster video. At one point, and you'd you'd go in there, and you know there'd be three or four bays filled with copies of the latest blockbuster, whatever it was. You know, it was Con Air, it was The Rock, it was you know just something you know that you knew it. You you either saw it in theaters or you missed it, and you were like, oh great, here it is. There's they've got forty seven VHX uh, VHX VHS copies. And then there was also like a romantic comedy here and there that had you know a lot of that. And then there was like you know maybe ten copies of a movie that starred a bunch of people that you were familiar with, but you'd never heard of this. You're like, what? What is this? I you know I didn't know Morgan Freeman was in this, and like you'd take it home and you'd rent it, and then you'd be oh straight to video, like you'd figure out. And this was like Jonathan Last's 
description of this movie was like, this is a movie that starred a bunch of people that you were well aware existed and were making popular films that you enjoyed, and yet they made this. And you never yeah. saw it because it wasn't any good, and someone decided not to distribute it to a movie theater, and and it ended up going straight to VHS. And yet this was in the theaters. Not for this, very long. This has to be in a theater. So that's Netflix's thing. In order to get any movie that they want considered for any award, they have to put it in the theaters. Okay, fine. However, this is not winning any awards. So it sort of raises the question, what exactly is it that they're doing with this? Like... Is it just the respectability thing? They want to put it in a theater to say, oh, you know, it, it, it made some money in a movie theater. But, like, I, I... I mean, if it sets up a franchise, then they have a reason to get people to subscribe again. I mean, they've already greenlit the next one. Yeah. I find that odd because the movies are so much more expensive than the TV shows to make. Although maybe they're quicker to make. You know, how long does it take to film a season of Stranger Things, you know? And then the hours and the, you know, all the cast. A movie doesn't take as long. It doesn't take as many people. Although this was a really expensive one. That was like the whole thing. $200 million to make this movie. Yeah, and there's rumors that like, you know, there's rumors that it was like actually around 160 I mean, bear in mind, budget for these movies, over 50% of that, I believe, goes to the talent. They get oh, their I'm money sure. up front because there's no points. So it's like you you're gonna give me ten million dollars just to do this, and that's it. Just a quick Google search. I I I type I type in Stranger Things budget. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, the fourth season of Stranger Things, which I have not watched, thirty million per episode. Well, well, yeah, I I know the fourth season was very very expensive because they were like extra long episodes and blah blah blah. Yeah, the other one. I, I meant the other ones. They're a different show altogether. And what the Babysitters Club costs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't even get that past the second season. So, so if I Google for okay, so for the first season it was six million. Uh, yeah. So well, <laughs> by a factor of five, it, right. has, it has multiplied. But all right, so you know, you got twelve episodes. That you know, yeah, it's cheaper. Well, I don't know. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying, like, if I had to pull reasons out of my butt, that's one that I could use. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know what they're doing with these movies. <laughs> when I was watching it, before I knew this was a, a Russo Brothers production, I, I kept comparing it to um, the other movies they've been cranking out. The one with The Rock, which Red I didn't notice. see. There was the one, the one with Chris Hemsworth. Where he was the extraction guy, right? Extraction. Extraction, yeah. You Which, know, it, by the way, it looked like the fucking Godfather at times compared to this uh, movie. Well, and then I was comparing it to those really crummy Bruce Willis things that they were churning out. Let's get some famous people, slap them in. Each, everybody gets slapped into it for about 10, 15 minutes in a clip. And we just churn them out. They don't have to be good. The action doesn't have to be that exciting. And people will just sit down and slop it up like the pigs and slobs <laughs> that they are. And they'll keep paying for their subscriber fees, you know? And I was like, oh, man. I mean, these feel like 
slightly better made for TV movies, you know? Yeah. Remember you used to make those movies in like the in the 90s and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were events. It's like here's something better than a usual TV episode, but not as good as a movie would really be because there was like no gray area, you know? TV was this cheap crap production that no one wanted to work in. It was movie stardom or bust. Um, so these feel like slightly better versions of that. This is a cynicism machine. I just, that's what I don't know, like, what, I don't well, know what that means. Well, <laughs> I just feel like, you know, like bringing up all these things about the, you know, the, the cheap garbage they made at the, you know, 90s and 2000s and whatnot. Like, it just, everyone is sold out. They're making garbage. Because here's the thing like, we, we haven't even gotten to the nuts and bolts of why this is bad. But we're just kind of looking around going, why is this terrible? Everybody in this movie is talented. Everyone who made the movie, who wrote the movie is talented. Why did they make a bad movie? I don't... It's not easy to make a good movie. I I mean, having never made a movie, I can only imagine <laughs> that that is true. Those two yahoos from nowhere yeah. who don't even know how to work their camera phones. No. <laughs> God almighty. What's wrong with this movie? I mean, but like, I was talking to my wife about this for a minute, and I, I forget what we were talking about exactly. But, you know, we were saying, that, oh, we're talking, about, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, because there was a thing on watching the Yankee game and they have an ad it's Harry Potter and the Cursed Child night at Yankee Stadium and I'm oh, like yeah, I saw wait that. what she goes yeah that show is they're trying to just salvage that because it's I mean it's made a lot of money I don't know if it's rec- I'm sure it's it's recouped its investment because it was it, it so very few Broadway shows will recoup their investment it costs a few you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars to to produce these shows, but that show was it, it must have considering how popular the source the source material was and you know how insane it was to get tickets initially, but it's not doing very well. So they're trying to do what they can to prop it up to keep it going. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that wasn't really you know it was just it was a bad show. I and I you know I wish I hadn't seen it. It was kind of a waste of money, but um. I, train of thought went out of my head. Why did I bring this up? <laughs> I don't know. That was my whole question to you. <laughs> like, why are Cynicism we talking about machine. Why are we making bad movies? Be- because we can. I mean, nobody nobody sets out to make a bad movie. You know? No. They, they clearly just wanted to make an action spy movie with talented people, and they wanted a big budget, which they got. And, I mean, it had all the hallmarks of a Marvel movie in it. Problem is, it wasn't a Marvel movie. So, Here's a movie with famous people in action. You people like that, right? And that's what you get. Okay. It's a step up from also showing us, you know, boobs and gore. Although it was a bit more gory than I would have preferred. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not, we're not slumming it here in this movie. It did have high production values. Yeah, no, it was it was watchable enough in, in, in the sense that like, I could kind of like, you know, I wasn't looking at like, you couldn't see the seams, which was fine like yeah it's just this is the kind of stuff that you have to send out there when it's not a marvel movie and it's not james bond it's not it's not an ip it's it's its own kind of thing and it's harder to do that stuff oh that's, that's where i was going with that 
to run back five minutes. So, like, yeah, you you want to review the movie that you saw, which is what we're doing right now, is just to say, yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. But at the same time, you also want to, you know, take a look at what you saw and go, well, wouldn't it have been better if, and I've seen a great, like, short series on YouTube by a guy named Austin McConnell who took apart that show, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and said, it would have been better if we, if they had done this. I like those. I don't like that either, and I tend to avoid... Like sort of like nerd guys on YouTube who are like, oh, this is my rewrite. Like there, there's yeah, some that make it their thing. Like we're gonna I don't rewrite like this. That. Stuff. Yeah, I don't like it either. And I'm, I'm not, not saying gonna, yeah, like, Go I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna do it here to say, oh, this would have been better if they had done this instead of that. Like I can't micromanage every decision that got made in the writers' room or you know behind the camera. But what I can do is go, there is a way for people who could take something as complicated as Endgame and make that successful to then take a fairly basic story about, you know, like a James, like a, a Jason Bourne style, you know, spy action movie and make it better. Like you could do that, and like when 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 we get to what sucked about this exactly, we can tell them don't fucking do that again. But I don't think that's a lot to ask to say. Like this would have been better if they had done a lot of other different things. Well, that's why I don't like doing those things because those rewrites and those nerdy guys like they always just sort of assume that you can make these changes in a vacuum and everything would pan out, like. How many time travel stories have we seen where if only I go back in time and fix this one thing, like, <laughs> dude, that never works, yeah. you know? So when they sit there and they go, oh, they should have really, you know, emphasized this or why did his character do this at first to help establish his motivation? I'm like, because it's Monday morning quarterbacking it. I mean, you just can't yeah. do those sorts of things. You can, but you have to pick one thing that changes everything. And the example I'll give is you. Because when we saw Creed 2, you came back then, like for the podcast, you're like, here's what they should have done. And your take on it was really wonderful. It was like, it should be about Drago. Because that's an interesting story about people who lived in the Soviet Union who were, who were reduced to nothing, who then had to find a way to come back and lose to Creed, and it was like, oh, yeah, that would have, and that's basically, you know, that's also Monday morning quarterbacking, but at the same time, you just pick that one thing, and then the dominoes all begin to appear as they fall down, and it all kind of makes sense, and this doesn't have that, like, you pick a one thing, and the whole movie is salvaged, but... Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to do, and everybody's guilty of doing it. I'm not going to say, like, we, we don't sit here and go, like, why didn't they do this? Like, a lot of the time it's me wishing they'd just done something else. Like I was hoping it would go one way and it didn't. Whereas like if I, if you sat me down in a room with someone and was like, okay, fix Thor and love and thunder, I wouldn't know where to begin. Yeah. You know, like, cause I'd be like, well, crap, man. You know, that, that had a lot of problems. Um, this didn't have like a, an enormous amount of things that like, well, if they tweak this and tweak that, I mean, it was just a, an action movie that 
didn't have a lot of stuff that other movies already have built in. You know, we already know all those characters where like Endgame had problems in certain ways with the editing and the characters and stuff. I saw a really interesting video about, I mean, in the last battle, it's this big gray melange of things going on. You're, our heroes are fighting aliens in this monotonous backdrop. And you've already done all the work. You love all these characters. You want them to beat the crap out of these aliens. You're just so invested after two and a half hours. But the the commentator was saying, like, the pacing and the editing of this battle scene is awful. Yeah. And when I watched it later, I saw what he was talking about. You know, like, where are the good guys versus the bad guys? Where is... They're all like, we need to get the stones back to the time machine that's in his crappy van. And they're like, oh, you're not going to like where the van's parked. And we were looking around like, oh, we got a hot wire, blah, blah, blah. As a viewer, you don't know where that van is parked. The characters don't say anything about that. It's just like, like she says something about like the van not being in the right spot. And then they just show up in the van. Like it's not edited and shot. So you have a, a sense of temporal relation to one another, whatever. Okay. But our brain is forgiving us for that because we're so emotionally invested. Okay, the IP is doing the work there. Same with Mission Impossible. I've already seen Ethan Hunt do this six or seven times, so I know what's at stake for him. I know how much he cares about the mission, all that stuff. This doesn't have any of that. So, speaking on the Gray Man now, it's unbelievable generic action film one A. You know. Everyone's a cipher. Everybody has one personality trait. Um, usually they talk in platitudes of some kind and they all just scream things at each other until an explosion separates them and then they're on their merry way again. So we don't have any time to get invested in anything. <laughs> and it runs through that the entire film. So that when it was over, I was like, oh, it's over. And he rescues that girl. I'm like, okay. Oh, there's going to be more of them? All right. You know, and then I went and folded socks. So, have you seen the bear on YouTube yet? On YouTube? No, I'm sorry. Uh, the, Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. Is that with the kitchen? Yeah. Uh, I heard it through the walls. My wife was watching it loudly. Yeah. <laughs> she said it was good, but I, I didn't watch it. We, I've watched one episode, and it's great. Um, and I like it because it's only a half an hour. And I really, nice. It really is, because you know why? Most people don't have an hour's worth of story. We are very much locked into that, like, half-hour, hour format for TV and for, you know, streaming TV. We're like, this is how long these things take. You know, okay, fine. But really, if you've only got story for this much, just tell that much story. I've always liked that about Breaking Bad. Like, he's like, I've got seven episodes. Not eight, not nine. I got seven. So you can buy seven or you can go fuck yourself. Like, I don't care. And they're like, great, we'll buy whatever whatever you want. At that point, you know, like, they would, you know, just finish off the series, Vince. Um, <laughs> and so I'm watching this show last night and it's like super intense and like it's a kitchen, you know, and everyone's yelling, everyone's speaking Spanish and there's knives and fire everywhere. And like we finished it and my wife's like, do you want to watch this, the second episode? I went, no, my God, I need to take a nap. <laughs> like, it was just, it was, and, 
and I thought about it, and it wasn't because of the yelling and all like the intensity of like filming scenes in kitchens. It was because there was so much information about all of the characters crammed into 32 minutes that I was just like, I, I have to think about this now. Like, I got all this stuff, and I was following it along enough as I was watching it to, you know, to be with the story. But they didn't, te- there wasn't enough time to talk through all that crap. So, like, there was just a wonderful example of showing and not telling. And it was just how to give information efficiently and quickly and emotionally such that it resonates. And it was the exact opposite of this movie. Where, like, whenever they they wanted to tell you something, they wouldn't show you anything. They wouldn't be cute about it. They would just say, you know, we all went to Harvard and we don't like each other. We're all really smart and we're jerks. And, like, I'm the bad guy because I'm saying I'm the bad guy. And murder that man and give me more guns. And, like, it just, like, it, 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 was, it was written by... I, I almost don't want to believe the people who wrote it wrote it. Because, like, really? I mean, okay, fine. But, like, you all suck. This was just so badly. <laughs> you all suck. You just This is terrible. Yeah, well, it, that's it, what I was talking about. Like, all the characters are paper thin, and all of their dialogue is functional, you know? Even the first scene when... Um, Billy Bob Thornton is is explain is explaining to him why he's going to get out of prison. How have you come out and do all these jobs for me? With Suicide Squad, without the bombs in their neck, mm-hmm. you know. And we just establish Ryan Gosling is the funny one, you know. Well, and, but, but go ahead, no, go. well, I just thought it was funny <laughs> because I'm, I have more complaints. <laughs> there was there was the time jump, like yeah. he's in prison. He's supposed to be young. And then there's like an 18 year jump where suddenly he becomes a super assassin. And like, you see him do that through all of his murdering. And I was like, Oh, no, no montage at all. Huh? We're just going to it. And then everybody's speech after that was just this functional. This is what I think. And you better get the asset. And well, I went to Harvard and I worked my way up. It's like, everything was just explaining motivation to them, which is I'm a bad guy. I'm a good guy. Oh, this, that, like, Oh, oh, okay. They're not real people. They're not characters. They're just there's like an episode of Law and Order, cop and the and the bad guy. You know, the the rebel uh, CIA agent and the psychopath. That's um, uh, what's his name? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I was gonna Lloyd. say. Yeah, like he's the crazy person. He washed out after five and a half months. Then we just see him torturing, and then he sits there talking about torture as he's torturing. I was like, "Oh my god, this is," you know, it's made for people who don't want to pay attention. Yeah. I was barely paying attention to the movie out of my own boredom, but I could follow what was going on. You know, TV and, of the week stuff. Okay, and like the thing about it too was like the, the stuff that they bothered to write down also just seems just seemed dumb. Like when you start to do the math on some of this shit, like. I think the movie begins in 2003. So when he's in the prison, when he's in the prison, that's where like I'm, I'm anyway, I worked it out quickly. And this was, 
you know, 24 whole hours ago, so I'm not quite sure if I recall all the details. But, like, it was like he had murdered somebody, and that crime was committed while he was under 18 and was so egregious that he was going to be locked up for another 30 years or 28 years. And you gotta you go you're doing the math and you're like, wait, what what the hell could he have done as a minor? That got him almost like a half a life sentence. Like who who do you know to murder when you're fifteen? That's gonna like what did he like kill a busload of nuns? Like what exactly did he do? And it turns out he murdered his abusive father. Right. Well, that's terrible. But I don't know a judge in this country that was going to take a 15-year-old who's being tortured by his father and, you know, he murders him to save his own brother is going to give him 50 years in jail. Like, it, it's just like little things like that didn't make any sense. Like, they weren't oh, given... I wasn't even looking at those things. Well, right. And, then, like, you know, p- people compare this to, like, Jason Bourne because of how, like, dead in the eyes Ryan Gosling is. And we'll get back to that in a minute. But, like, Jason Bourne was really kind of straightforward and cold and, you know, but at the same time, I thought, like, well, it also made sense. And maybe on a certain level, like, even if you're just folding socks, you're sort of aware that what you're watching doesn't sort of break any 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 rules about how the world works as far as you're concerned. You know, like... Yeah, I don't like those movies, but they're much better than this. The first movie is really good. The second ten or whatever they made, I don't know. They didn't make. They're they're not very good because they got all shaky cam. But the first movie was not a Paul Greengrass movie, and it was it was a much better film. But it didn't, you know, like everyone was thin. Everyone played a role. There was no complicated characters. But there was there were rules to how it worked, and the rules comported to those rules we think of in the real world. And if they're not the rules that we have for ourselves, the rules that we imagine exist in the world of the, in, in the worlds of covert spies, like mm-hmm. with their blacklists and their their kill squads and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it it didn't fiddle with that stuff too much. This was like we're gonna take prisoners who like so you got a guy who murdered his dad when he was seventeen or. 15 or whatever else it is, he gets an almost life sentence, then you're going to say to him, I'm going to commute your sentence right now so you'll come work for me. What exactly about this person leads you to believe they would be any good at what you're asking them to do? I never asked that question. It didn't make any sense. They talked about this guy, how he was so incredible at all the things that needed to be done. Preternatural was the word that they use. Like they had a, thes- a thesaurus in the writer's room to go, what can we think of? To, you know, and that was the word they came up with. And like, <laughs> use that faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific word. And like nothing about him tells you why he can do all these things. And the same thing is kind of true about Jason Bourne. You don't really know why he can do all these things, but the difference is neither does he. There's this great scene 
when he's sitting in like this coffee shop with the girl that he's like convinced to take him on the road to to France and and, and says, "Listen, I don't know who I am, but I do know that the guy at the counter weighs two twenty and knows how to handle himself. The best place the, the best place to look for a gun is in the cab of that truck over there, and then I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking." And I'm thinking to myself, "Wow." That would be kind of like devastating to realize that you know all the all these things, but not how you know them, and it puts you in the same position as the character, as the audience member, to go like, "Wow, how can you do that?" And it doesn't matter how, but the point is, he can, and you want to figure out how as much as, much as he does. But there's none of that here. You you don't have that benefit for, of that perspective here. You just have like, he's amazing. With no explanation. <laughs> this is nothing. It's just dead silence after that. So you don't know why anybody can do anything. They just can. Like you say, like they're not people. They're just was ciphers? That was a good word. Yeah, they're 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 blank slates that are just plot devices. I mean, I didn't think that far ahead because you didn't get anything about them as a as people to begin with. You know, so like they don't even do the bare minimum of, of making you care about this guy. You know, just because he's he's funny is supposed to be the thing that makes you, you know, endeared to him. Also, he's Ryan Gosling and he's unbelievably good looking. Hmm. You know, I mean, and he's been playing the, the same basic person now for a long time. Right? Ah. He's silent and he stares at you and he's got this blank face until he smiles and he gives you this aren't i pretty smile and that's fine you know <laughs> he is a good actor. nice move pretty boy <laughs> yeah and like no one can deny that he's like extremely good looking person but that's supposed to be enough so like those kinds of questions i stopped asking because at that point i was trying to forge some sort of emotional connection to the movie <laughs> so i could care you know and it never comes yeah. Which is what makes that's ultimately what makes a film boring. You know, we can sit here all day and complain about the action scenes and things like that. And and that's part of it, you know. But whenever we talk about why is a movie not interesting or dull, it's because you don't have any connection to it. Yeah. Okay. Why do people like Marvel movies, even though some of them don't have great action and they're kind of dumb also? Because people like those characters, they see themselves in those people. You know, they, they want them to do well. The, the black, black hats versus white hats is a tale as old as time. So when you watch spy thrillers and you're not quite sure who's on the up and up and who the good guy is and not, then I need some I need someone to anchor me to that. And in Jason Bourne, you have him trying to solve the mystery. You know, you realize he's a good guy. Same with Mission Impossible and, and Bond to a certain extent. This one doesn't have that. So like the first question I asked was, why are you recruiting a person from prison? Isn't he just going to run away? I mean, if he's really that good, why is he still working there? Yeah. And the suicide squad gets around that by putting bombs in their necks, but we don't have that here. So when I was like, Oh, we're just not going to answer that. Oh, no one cares. Okay. never mind. Like I just gave up bothering to ask logic questions. Yeah. Because there wasn't any. No. And it, and, like, and it didn't matter to them. Like the movie didn't care about that either. They weren't going to answer those questions whether they were brought up or not. So they're not going to answer them. I'm not going to ask them. And you, you you mentioned, you know, about the action sequences before. And people are complaining about like, 
the the one really really shitty one here was the plane sequence and it was really shitty it was shitty for a lot of reasons it was incomprehensible it was badly shot it was hard to look at it was confusing and they had just done the most amazing airplane sequence of all time with you know tom cruise jumping out of a plane at thirty thousand feet you know and haloing his way down to paris like you're not going to beat that one why would you try i don't know it's embarrassing for everyone involved well, we but, saw one in Uncharted that was better than this. And that's the other thing he's saying is like, boy, the one in Uncharted was kind of stupid compared to the Tom Cruise one, but it was still better than this shit. I would but, rather have watched that again than watch this. Yeah, no, it was. But, <laughs> and that wasn't a good movie either. No. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't hate all of the action sequences in this, but ultimately it doesn't matter because you're right. Like, unless you can forge a relationship you know, just to get yourself through the story, then you could have all the amazing action sequences you want. You know, and look, the Tom Cruise's character, who, you know, Ethan Hunt, and the the very pretty uh, other British lady in that movie, like, you know, there are relationships in 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 the last few, you know. Uh, MI movies that are kind of worth kind of ha- hanging around to. But, like, he's basically a superhero now, and so you, you kind of have the relationship with him you do with Thor. It's the same basic idea. But, like, you know, like there's, none, there's none of that here. You have to make people care about people. Otherwise, we're all just, just waiting for the movie to end at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of the action sequences lacked that, you know. Um Especially when it comes to airplanes, like you're stretching my believability pretty thin when, you know, you can survive plane wrecks that no one else can. I'm like, all right, he's basically invincible here at this point. (laughs) And and we see him take a beating a lot and it doesn't seem to bother him all that much. Yeah. The worst he does is get like an, you know, an an epinephrine shot in his leg. Yeah. I think, I think you, you can see that clearly. So like the end when he fights, Chris Evans, right? They start punching each other in that fountain. <laughs> you get you get the best of the action and the worst. Because that fight actually made me sit up. So cuz like Chris Evans goes, "I think I'm a better fighter than you are." And I go, eh, "Whatever." I'm thinking, "What to this point has led you to believe that?" Cuz he yeah. fucking did nothing this whole movie. I thought this whole thing was about two guys who were equally matched. Good guy, bad guy, and they're going to beat the shit out of each other in nine continents just to figure out who was the champion. And that's not it at all. Like, that was the thing that, that for me, pissed me off. It's like, it's not about, like, you know, you know, spy versus spy. It's about, you know, guy on the run who's kind of scrappy versus, like, multi-billion dollar... Yeah, it's like private like, army. Private army guy. I'm <laughs> like, what the fuck is this shit about? You know, so so when they start fighting, um, Ryan Gosling starts using tricks on him. You know, like like he has the burn on his back from the flare gun. So as they're punching each other, he flips him into the water and makes it sting. And then he's like, they're, when they're punching each other, Ryan Gosling ducks his head so that he punches him on the top of the skull. 
which, which hurts a, a lot, which hurts. And he had just lost two fingers. So we punched him there and he's like, oh, my God, you know, so I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. He's using using his intelligence to outsmart Chris Evans in this fight. I'm like, that's pretty clever. And then Chris Evans pulls out like a switchblade. Which and then it like, all goes you forget, downhill. Yeah, like you forget you had that. <laughs> oh, by the way, this very convenient tool I have. You with know, me. well, well, because I always look at it as like, okay, now Chris Evans is is going to cheat. Like yeah. it's it's a it's a way of cheating. You know, like I can't beat him fist to fist, so now I must I have to use a weapon. And I'm like, all right, that's okay. But then he starts stabbing Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Over and over again. Three or four times. And it doesn't make a difference. (laughs) He's still just fighting him. I'm like, you just got stabbed like six times. (laughs) Like all that careful, you know, character driven fighting goes right out the window. And I was like, all right, whatever. Who cares anymore? (laughs) Yeah. You have like the best of what a fight scene should be versus the worst. Uh, all, all right there with the goblet of fire in the middle. Yeah, sure. I mean, at that point, I was really like, I was barely paying attention. I, yeah, I watched it in bed, and like, oh, I pay, like, I was in, like, you know, I was thinking, well, I, I could get up tomorrow and watch this. You know, like I have a knee injury, so I'm trying to take it really easy, and I'm like sitting on my house, not doing anything, and feeling very useless. And so, but I'm like, you know what? It's it's only like eight. 45 i can't watch the rest of this stupid movie on my phone in in bed and i did and i didn't suffer for it but like i was engaged as much as one can be lying in bed watching it on their phone which is three inches wide like it didn't that usually i can kind of sense like you know i might be better off watching this on like the tv tomorrow morning and like you know 10 o'clock when we you know when the kids are at camp here i didn't feel like i was losing anything by watching it on my phone yeah, no, I, I sat and I watched it, but um, what a waste of Anadarmus. So somebody pointed out, and I, I think this is true, and I it's a little sexist, but okay, fine. <laughs> Who costumed this lady in this movie? She looks oh, like yeah, I heard that too. I was like, she looks like she's like you know, just like, just like Murphy Brown. <laughs> Shoulder pads out the I was wazoo. Trying try to think of like some like you know mid nineties reference, like a like a, you know like one of those background characters in the Vogue music video. Like, yeah, yeah. like you you don't have to put her in the same dress as she was in uh, No Time to Die, which by the way was that movie's probably best scene next to maybe the oh, the scene sure. in the forest was great too. I love the well, scene. Well, yeah, the forest. that was. But that was so much fun. Yeah, she's dressed like the extra in a sexual harassment video from the nineties, <laughs> like the woman in the break room you're not supposed to talk to. <laughs> you know, the extra in the sexual harassment. Yeah, oh I, I, my god! Because I, I read somewhere months ago because they were talking about her, and they said like, "Look, this woman is a movie star mm-hmm. because she is utterly breathtaking." Yep. You say what you want. She's she can act yes I'm not saying she can't act but she's unbelievably beautiful she's stunning yep so like you throw her like Margot Robbie you throw her up there and oh, everyone's Margot gonna look at her they're just gonna look at her you can't Margot, help it I mean there's a reason they put her in that dress in No Time to Die yeah it's <laughs> not, not a you know practical side, attire side note Margot Robbie is just unfair 
because she's so good looking and she's so talented that it's just like watching her in I, Tanya is ridiculous. Well, there's a reason that she's going to be Barbie and Ryan Gosling's going to be Ken. Fine, but like, <laughs> she... but I mean, if you if we were women, that's what we'd be talking about. <laughs> yeah, Gosling is also an unbelievably good looking person. <laughs> well, we'll get to him. So, Anadarmas, yeah, tragically underused. I thought, you know, when whenever she's asked to do big sort of like hero stuff, I I'm not worried about like, oh, she's going to break a hip. Because she's, you know, she weighs 98 pounds because she is incredibly thin. She does give you that intensity of, like, I can carry this bazooka and fire it at the helicopter and it's fine. Like, you don't get that sense that she's fragile. And that's 90% to do with her presence on screen. She just looks like whatever the hell you that she wants you to think she is. That is not easy to do, and not everyone can do that. And so, like, you're right. Like, she is a fucking movie star, which is great. Which is great, but hardly underused. You know, yeah, a lot of them are. I didn't know, but the the the, the main bad guy, the black guy, he's apparently he's from Bridgerton. He is. Yeah, I didn't know that. He, he he's been he on the. Been, uh, he could have been that robot that wanders around stopping shop. <laughs> <laughs> Marty. You know? Yeah. Oh, my daughter's I need always the so, data so, disc back. You know? <laughs> Marty's always so. My my daughter is, is always so excited to see Marty in the store. She's like, "Where's Marty? I want to see Marty." I'm like, "The yeah, robot the, you want to you want a giant nine foot tall kiosk that just wanders around like <laughs> they just put googly eyes on a stick. That's all this is. It's a sure. It's a mop with a with a sensor on it. I mean, yeah, he, he need to be. He's on the short list for James Bond too because he's black and British. <laughs> And Idris Elba is just too old to play James Bond right now. He would have been. A, he would. He would have been a great James Bond. Well, he's never gonna. He's too old. No, he's forty-five years old. Yeah, but you don't start doing that. At no, years old. Daniel Craig was in his late thirties. That's about as late as you get before you. You know. You can't. Yeah, and he complained about it constantly too. <laughs> I was gonna say he broke a couple of bones doing oh, that. Yeah. yeah, like the whole thing was about him getting old. Like that was his entire thing. Yeah, all the yeah. interviews. Oh, I'll never do this again. Yeah, no, I mean, then don't. I don't tell you. <laughs> I mean, it made him a millionaire, but he was really hurt by the end of it. It cost him something. But yeah. no, so yeah, he's. But a lot, you, of, a lot of these roles, you know, it's just. Let's just throw money at the talent, and it doesn't matter who who they are or what they say, because they really aren't well-developed characters. All right. So let's talk about Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Can you think of a movie that? And I haven't. I'll confess, I haven't seen too many Ryan Gosling movies, just because the movies he made for a long time were geared towards a demographic I do not meet. Fourteen-year-old girls. <laughs> no, 36 year old women. No, the notebook? Not, oh, the notebook, yeah. Yeah, no, that was. So I have always found him to be rather I, bordering on dead. <laughs> like, he just. What? <laughs> he doesn't have an active. He's so good looking in a way that he doesn't that he can play that dead-eyed thing and still be engaging like 
I'm trying to think of how to who who to compare him to. Like Brad Pitt was probably in his prime, about as handsome as Ryan Gosling is. They're very similar guys. They got blonde hair, got blue eyes. You know, but Brad Pitt never you know, he's a much better actor. But like he never kinda had that dead eye stare that Ryan Gosling does. But I, I, I never kinda bought the Ryan Gosling dead eye stare. I always felt that he didn't have a lot of emotion behind his eyes, not that sort of like monomaniacal drive to build a house in North Carolina, wherever the hell he was in the notebook. He just looked kind of dead-eyed, and that was continued here. Like, he was charming. He can play charming. He was good in Crazy Stupid Love. That was like his most engaging role I think I've seen him in, and I hate that movie a lot. I think he's a lot like Tobey Maguire in that way. Whoa, like whoa, can, whoa, 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 what? Show well, you work. Well, he's a lot better looking. Well, yeah. But you can see him actively trying to act, which is not what you want. Uh, you know, I'm not an actor. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not an actor. It, it looks like they're acting, you know? So it's like he's good at these roles because they don't require him to do a whole lot of that sort of introspective stare into the distance now you believe i'm thinking about something because what you're describing is the fact that the dead-eyed stare he's supposed to be doing like emoting mm, somehow yeah i you know yeah okay you know so like yeah. toby mcguire does a lot of that stuff too maybe not in spider-man as much but like the cider house rules and things like that you're just standing there watching him like say something Great Gatsby. <laughs> like, like oh he's supposed to be acting oh whoops <laughs> you know so when he was in the notebook, there was a lot of that, but there was also a lot of like heavy sighing and, and then like lashing out and being, you know, the the cool guy who's okay with being poor. Like he was perfect for that. Great. But when you watch him in like the Blade Runner sequel and everything, you're just staring at him, especially when he's on screen with Harrison Ford, who's the king of that stuff. <laughs> you know, Harrison Ford could just stare at something and you'd be like, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But Ryan Gosling gets by on the fact that he just looks really good. So when you think he's staring at you, you forgive him. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. You think he's looking at you. You're like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, all right. It's it's okay, buddy. Like, well, I'm not going to get that. So it's just like, not that his character had anything in this. They give him some half-assed... Sisyphean thing. I was like, oh, come on, really? Oh, wow. What What's the, the hell right? was that? That was just like, look. So Someone took he, a Greek course once in college. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is that you assume no one who's watched this movie has ever read a book in their lives. I understand like, now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like is, is that supposed to be his background? Because it's not coming through. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what about this is repetitive? I don't, I don't understand what you... Oh, God. Yeah. And, like, I don't know if anybody knows, but Sisyphus was being punished. He's not being punished. He's out of jail. <laughs> so. Well, there, 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 is a, there is an argument to be made that, like, you get out of jail, but, you, you know, like, the cost of that is living this sort of lifestyle as a assassin i don't i mean like, i don't know whatever <laughs> but the, but the 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 thing about sisyphus is not the fact that he's being punished it's the fact that he's doomed to eternity to it to to attempt to accomplish a task 
that the gods will not let him accomplish. It's the yeah. end. It's the endless, the endless nature of it. Yeah, the endless pushing it up the hill. And there's nothing about his character that says that he's doing the same thing repeatedly. Well, he's killing people for the CIA. I mean, yeah, but the first thing you see him do is defy the process oh. by which he's been told to do that. I know. Well, that's that logic thing again. Like, why? If he's so good, why doesn't he just run and hide forever? Like, whatever. I don't know. He wants his gum, I guess. Uh, and then Chris Evans. I will never forget when someone told me, like, there's a few people, like, casting choices. They go, oh, you know who's playing Joker in the new Batman movie? Heath Ledger. And I went, you're full of shit. That doesn't make any sense. The guy from 10 Things I Hate About You, and then we were all blown away. And then somebody, maybe it was you, said, like, oh, it's the, the guy playing Captain America. You played the flaming, uh, the, the, was the flaming torch? It's torch. The, the human torch. Human torch. Human torch. Well, yeah, yeah, the guy who played the human torch is Captain America. <laughs> I went, what? That that guy's a real person? Like, I didn't, like, you just forget that was, a, and then you see that movie, and it's great, and the sequels are great, and he's the emotional anchor of the entire, you know, franchise for the, for, for a long time, and it's just like, you kidding me? Like, uh, this guy's phenomenal. And I have a feeling that he, you know, he's a, he seems like a bright guy, a conscientious guy. And he said, like, I got stuck playing this goody two-shoes character that really doesn't have a lot of depth and certainly doesn't have a lot of contradiction and you know, isn't sort of interesting enough for me as a person in the 21st century. So, like, every role he's played since Captain America has been like a, I'm not Captain America, people. Like, I, I read... Why well, I read they offered him the Ryan Gosling part, and he said, no, I want to play the bad guy. He seems to be actively searching for opportunities to play opposite Captain America whenever he can. And I think that might be hurting him because he may not be that talented. Well, he started playing those characters. Yeah. Because he he was the Human Torch. I mean, the Human Torch was like still a good person. He was just like this brash kind of jerk. But he was in Scott Pilgrim. He was the bad guy. He was the jerky guy in like not another teen movie. Like, like he was those kinds of roles or like the hunky kind of douchey character, you know? And then he started playing Captain America, who was so good for no real reason. <laughs> just is, you know. Which is like okay. Even, which is fine. Yeah. It is what it is. It's he not so like... Good. He was so good. He, he could wield Mjolnir. Uh, yeah, whatever the yeah. hell you call it. Like, You know, and... So when he comes back to these other roles, like in Knives Out and and this, like you're you're right, like they're all the same basic kind of person, like overly knowledgeable, smarmy. They're quick with the one-liners. Uh, you know, he does that really well. Yeah, he hasn't expanded his range to anything else. At least nothing anyone's ever seen him in. Because mm. I know he's done other roles where he's played like 
caregivers and things like that. But nobody saw those movies. So I, I can't speak to that. But, you know, he does an okay job with these kinds of roles. I think the older he gets, the harder they are to pull off. Because, like, when he was younger, it was like he, he comes across like this young idiot jock guy. Now you're like, why is this guy insane? <laughs> like it's now it's too much. But yeah, I, I think I think either way, the roles would have been weird for either of them because they're not. There's not much to really do here. Yeah. Ryan Gosling doesn't have a lot to do. And you know, honest to God, I don't think he could have done much with anything more. I just I I don't know. I don't think he's that talented. I mean like, you know, you know, crazy stupid love, he was okay. I thought he was really stupid and I, I didn't see the whole thing, but like uh the big short. Oh, the big short. No, I don't like that. That was yeah. I mean that was Margin Call is a great movie about the exact same subject. If you haven't seen Margin Call, you should watch Margin Call because it's great. And Steve Carell was the big draw at the time for the big short. Yeah, it was like, oh, look, he's a, you know, comic actor playing, you know, serious roles kind of thing. But, um, but, you know, again, he was like, that that was like the, both of these guys, their wheelhouse seems to be, I'm handsome. It's butts in seats. I mean, and God love them because they are. And if you've got something, flaunt it. I mean, who's? I'm not. I'm not saying this is something that they shouldn't be doing, because God knows if you if you or I were handsome, we'd be doing it too. But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I wouldn't want anyone to feel bad for me. No, we've got very <laughs> different careers as a result. Yeah, I read that somewhere. I was like, the, the person people feel the least sympathy for are like good looking people. <laughs> I was like, that is so true. Yeah, no. So if you see those articles, like the really attractive girls, like no one, no guys will date me. They're intimidated. I'm like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Really sorry. No guys will date me. They're intimidated. Ooh, this is hard. This is a hard one. (laughs) They don't. They don't make violin small enough for you. (laughs) So yeah, I I didn't realize that that girl. She played one of the like the CIA characters. She was in Iron Fist. She was also in The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, she was awful. Oh my god, she was the worst. Yeah, she was the worst of all of them. Just so bad. Oh man, I mean, like, and like, she turns out to be a bad guy at the end too. I yeah. hated that. I think I hated that. The presumptuousness of that was what bothered me the most. That there's a, there's a higher up somewhere else pulling all the strings. Yep. And about halfway through, I realized that you weren't going to find out who it was because they're saving it for a sequel I'm ever going to watch. And I was like, oh, that is just, that's just annoying. You know, you know, the, the whole time, the whole time I'm, I'm, that I'm watching this, all I could think of was that movie Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie? Sadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I so, have seen Dunstan so, Checks In. So for those of you unaware, um, Dunstan Checks In was a monkey movie starring Jason Alexander, fresh off of Seinfeld, um, about a, a hotel magnate who goes to her, pro, her, her like protege manager, Alexander, 
and says that like such 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 and such organization is going to award a coveted sixth star to the most exclusive hotel in all of the world. And she says to him, I, I want you to take our hotel and make it a six-star hotel because no such thing has existed since then or up to that point. And then for some reason, there's a chimpanzee. And a little boy. <laughs> and a little boy who is his son, who I think was also the kid in like Sleepless in Seattle. Like, I don't know. But it's a stupid monkey movie. With Jason Alexander, and I always remember hearing him talk about this movie in podcast interviews where he's like, oh, well, you know, they came to me and they said, we, we, we want you to do this. And, she, and they're like, listen, you know, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the adults of the children to come see the movie because it's the guy from Seinfeld. But, like, look, it's not for me. It isn't the right thing. And they kept coming back to him. And every time they would come back, they would offer him more money until finally they were quintupling his his like offer and he he used a phrase he says like at that point it becomes financially irresponsible of me not to do this and that was a very interesting yeah it was a very interesting (laughs) phrase to me it was financially irresponsibly of irresponsible of me not to do the monkey movie and at that point you know, I'm complaining. I'm like, you know, like our complaints about this movie aren't really why did these people make the choice to do this movie? Netflix threw money at them, like piles and piles of money because they, they're trying as their business model starts to just disintegrate before their eyes. They're trying to hang on to this as much as they can by getting people to watch their content. And... I, 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 I can't blame anybody for signing on to it. Well, no, I've, you know, I've never done that. I've never sat here and been like they shouldn't have done this. I just but, wish they'd done a better job, right? But I'm wondering at what point people looked around and went, you know, not this time, guys. This is just what this is, and like, I guess that's sort of like you know, as as a professional <laughs> observer of these things. It's just like, yeah, okay. I wonder when that point was. Like, At what point between like this, the storyboarding, the conception process, all the way up to the premiere, did, 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 did they go like, okay, yeah, no, this is just another like whatever. Instead of like this is like an end game, which is going to make $350 million in the opening weekend. And yeah, I, I think it's different for everybody on a movie because... At some point, someone made the movie they wanted to make. Everybody got their say. You know, nobody ever makes a movie 100% their vision. There's always people putting their inputs in. Yeah, we talked about that before. So, like, there comes a certain point, I'm sure, where the actors sort of disassociate. And they're like, all right, fine. This is not what I wanted it to be. Or I'm not as proud of it as I wish I had been or whatever. And then sometimes the directors are... You know, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And screw you if you didn't like it. And I'm sorry and this and that. So mm. um, I was actually thinking, I go on these long bike rides uh, for exercise. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, movies are expensive. And I don't really want to pay $20 to see them if they're going to be crappy. 
which is what's happening. Um, but they're always talk, constantly talking about how, you know, a romantic comedy they don't put out theaters anymore. They're too expensive. They don't make any money back. Only big tentpole movies, Marvel things, stuff like that. You know, how do we get our money back when we pay so much to make a movie? And I'm sitting here in my head thinking, you know, maybe the talent shouldn't be getting paid that much. And like, <laughs> I'm sure they'd all turn around and kick me in the ass and be like, shut up, you idiot. Because God bless them, you know, get as much as you can. But, you know, if something had to be lowered and it's not the price of gasoline for your explosions and your pyrotechnics, then maybe you don't pay so much for craft services. Maybe you don't pay the extras all that much. You know, I, it was just a thought I had, and they'll never take it seriously. Everybody's going to try to get as much as they can for what they can. But, you know, when they're always talking about the business and how can we get this and keep this going, and, well, something has to give eventually. I don't know what it'll be. And well, a, lot of, a lot of things have this problem. Baseball. Should we really be paying baseball players $150 million? Not if you think, want to pay for a $30 hot dog. <laughs> I mean, I actually... I don't think it's a fair comparison between baseball and movies because here's why. You can make a decent action movie. You can make the same movie. We would have the same conversation. It, it, like, so there's two parts of this conversation. There's the part that's like, we expected more of these big league celebrities who were signed on to make this picture. And the second side is, this movie is terrible because the writing is bad and the acting is subpar and the direction is terrible. And there are some interesting things about using drones to set up scenes and that's fine, but it ultimately isn't isn't worth getting into because who gives a shit because the whole thing is so terrible. But like, you, nobody can do what, you know, the worst guy on the Nationals is still the best baseball player you've ever met in your life. Like, that can't quite be said for the worst actor in this movie. You know, like, I've met better actors. <laughs> you know, I've bumped into better actors on the street than the worst actor in this movie. So that, that's not quite the same thing. And well, that's your opinion. <laughs> yeah. But, like, there's, you know, there's, there, there's a value add to this thing. Like, how much does. You know, Josh Donaldson, who is not the most famous guy in the Yankees, bring to the Yankees a lot, a tremendous amount of value. But the you know the guy playing the agent that gets murdered in the first twenty minutes of this movie is you know that could have been anybody, literally anybody at all. If they were tall, it would have been fine. It really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, we live in an age now in terms of Hollywood and celebrity and movies and what have you. Like, we keep hearing that, well, the age of the movie star is over. It's Tom Cruise. That's it. He's the last one. He can do whatever he wants because he's not as stupid as he is crazy. And, you know, he's a wonderful producer and he can make Top Gun 30 years after he made the first one and it'll make a bajillion dollars and that's fine. But he's the only one that can do that. The rest of them, you know, Robert Downey Jr. came close, but who knows if they could have, like, dumped him and just, like, figured out a way to get by without, without Iron Man. They didn't have to do it. It helped them out. 
Yeah, but, well, I mean, he but, doesn't sell tickets to anything else. So. Well, that's the thing. Like, he's not like there are no more movie stars. So why are we paying the movie star salaries? I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I was just making an observation. That's a very good one to make. <laughs> you know. it's the one thing that would like this is a hundred and sixty million dollar film. In reality, it's a f- sixty to seventy five million dollar movie. Well, yeah, because you had to get you know the rights to shoot in Prague, which was the only good scene in the whole movie. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it's just a pipe dream I have. It's like when I want to decouple college football from the universities. No one takes me seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It's an argument for another night, I suppose. I don't want to get into it. (laughs) Anything you liked about the movie? I I did I did kind of like the the gun battle in um in Prague is that Prague that that, that like the thing with the yeah, tram is that, is that when they were trying to shoot him and he was chained to the bench yeah I didn't like that yeah, see, I, 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 the other thing I thought really sucked in that scene. I mean I thought he was a bit like more give me more guys with guns like he was. You know, he was like a Disney villain at that point. He was just so over the top. But at the same time, like the things happening on the ground was just like, uh, you know, things seemed to be real. There, were, there were, were real explosions. And like, how do you get by? You're chained to a bench. And like, it kind of worked for me. Like, he was, there was so much chaos that he could be so small in that environment that like he could dodge all that shit. See, I, I thought the editing there was the worst in that. Well, like, all over was. Terrible. I couldn't tell what was going on. I was like, I don't understand. Why can't they shoot this one guy on the bench? And I was like, okay, maybe they can't. They're not noticing him because they're busy shooting guys with rockets and stuff. But like, it would just be like explosions. Then you would cut to him trying to like dodge bullets attached to the bench. Like you didn't get a good sense of where everybody was. So everyone was like, oh, that scene was the best. I'm like, it was because it wasn't much better than the other scenes. So you know. The the one character I kind of liked in the movie was the Indian gentleman who I was doing a little, you know, just a basic IMDb research into, like, you know, who, who was who. And apparently, like, he's a really big deal in India. And, like, in terms of population, India is an enormous place. It's so big. I would even go so far as to say it's sort of, like, bigger than China. Like, China has a lot of people in it. And they're an an economic powerhouse in the way that India is not, but at the same time, like you know, China is very segregated. India is also, but like it's sort of differently set up in a way. And so the there's like there's Bollywood, and there's all there's like there's there's so many there's so many people in India. There's like nine Hollywoods, and they're all equally intensely famous. And this guy is massively famous in I think Tamil. I think is the or Tamir or Tamil. I don't know the word. Or, but like in one of the genres of Indian filmmaking, he's like the guy. And I thought he was kind of interesting to watch. And like he came in, didn't know who he was, didn't look like anybody else. He shows up at the house at the end. And he's like, "I'm kind of a badass," and he's like, "I look like you, you know, look like you you were, you were hit by a bus and you're still kind of you know carrying it off, or whatever, whatever line he has right there." But like, he was kind of cool, and then he tr- tries to fight. You know, uh, I don't, 
on Adarmus at the end, and he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out of here. And, like, that was kind of interesting. He's like, you know, he kind of had, like, a moral code there for a minute there. One guy that had, like, a compass besides, you know, your your hero who just had a compass because he was a hero. He was a little bit more interesting than the other bad guys, but just, just, just as determined kind of a thing. And so he was kind of interesting. And the fact that, like, he was, like, stupid famous for every other non-white person in the theater... You know, it it was kind of interesting. I you know, but you know, not really a whole lot that I liked about it besides a few parts of that Prague gun battle that were kind of cool, and him. Like I wanted to like, um, be the Bob Thornton, but I don't know. Like he was the better of the bunch. And him, it was Angela Davis, was the other lady. Uh, yeah, the one that was in like her own apartment or whatever in London. Yeah, or yeah. like okay. oh, that was Humphrey Woodard, wasn't it? Sorry, thank you. Yes, Humphrey Woodard. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I I kind of like they're all really good, but they're all kind of phoning it in. So. Yeah, I just you know aggressively generic. Yeah, there was, I mean there was nothing about it I liked at all. So <laughs> <laughs> it like was I'm all just like Meh. I'm reaching here. Yeah, no. So and like I'm I'm trying to think if there were if there has been a, like a Netflix movie that I went like yeah that was really good. Um, I think I'm I sure have. I'm there. sure I could think of something. I mean, I, I like The Irishman in some ways, but... No, we never got to that. It, you know, Goodfellas is better. And I like Ray Liotta not as much as I like everyone in, in, the, in The Irishman. So, like, I, I really don't... I don't know. They've made what now? Oh, they made a lot. <laughs> extraction. Least, I like the extraction. Not a lot, but extraction was okay. It's aging well compared to this. Oh, you know what the best one was? Marriage Story. There you go. Couldn't think of. Oh it. yes. Yeah, that was a good movie. Gut wrenching as all hell. Oh, go watch that one, everyone. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a great movie. It's Make not the, the same kind of movie. <laughs> no. But it was good. So, anyway, yeah. Well, that that see that that's like a that's an Oscar I'll bait kind of like who who wrote that Noah? What's his name? Uh, I don't know. Well, the Adam Sandler movie was good. Hustle. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Like I think the I think the Oscar stuff makes more sense. Then they're yeah. like their 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 action stuff doesn't it's 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 never as good as their other stuff is. No, but I mean like like we saw the harder they fall with the black cowboys and everything. Huh. And even that wasn't like a fantastic film, but it was at least interesting. Yeah. And it was interesting in ways of like you know, like visually and musically and everything. Like they were doing something different there. Like this was this could have been anything. Yeah. And the fact that they spent so much money on it, I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah. So. 
giving that to me. Yeah. I can always use more money. Absolutely. I also take checks. Money money is the best. All right. Well, if you guys out there have any thoughts that you want to share with us about uh, the gray man or the gray man, depending on where which side of the pond you're on, you can let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at three drinks in pod on both. You can email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Uh, leave ratings and reviews. Go buy merchandise over at Tee Public. That's it, I, I assume. Uh, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.